about to make a song called Tidal Wave. Should I do it right now? I bet. Shoot your shot. Bought on live, bought on live. Bought on live, bought on live. Shoot your shot. Bought on live, bought on live. This shoot your shot. Yeah. Never has. I like it a lot. Yeah. I got the rock in my hand, bitch. So we got a shot. They don't speak my language. We don't gotta talk. We've been gone for days and they don't gotta stop. How you feeling, Stevie? Yeah, could be better. <laughs> we uh, we're going on about three weeks of, or actually four weeks of living under the same roof for more or less most most days. You're a bit of a nomad. This guy's uh, more plugged in than a goddamn bro. I feel like I feel like you've been living here or you grew up here. You know what I mean? Like it's like a it's a vibe you have around here that I feel like you've been here for ten years. Oh, bro, it's one of those things in your life that uh, it comes around where you know things are meant to be. It's uh, it's funny when we knew each other in LA and you know we're in Studio City together. We're living two blocks away from each other. We see each other a lot. And uh, mm -hmm. to leave LA for me, the feeling of leaving LA, um, it's so welcoming, but at the same time, it's so toxic. Mm -hmm. And to get out of that lifestyle and go back to Texas and. Uh, my eyes kind of opened up to a point to see what real life was again and to see what a slow family lifestyle, the more than the glitz and the glamour and the running around trying to be top dog in L.A. Uh, my eyes opened up of what life, what more to life there was and, and mm -hmm. how much more meaningful little bitty things were in your life. Man, I came out here on a whim. I came out to Scottsdale on a advice of a buddy um, to come out for a weekend. Don't worry about where you're staying. Come out. And I was in end of February. I haven't left since. We're in December, and I've really found a, you know, found a home, found a family, and found a place after Feels longing like for one. So it's like crazy to 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 be longing and wanting for something, and turning it into like manifesting something for yourself that where you know you're going to be happy in life down the line. Because at the end of the day, the only thing I'm chasing right now is happiness. Yeah, that's it. It's super simple. All I'm trying to do is put a smile on my face more days than putting a frown on it. I know. That's it. And and that's really what I've narrowed my mindset down to. This when place you, helps me do that. Yeah. It seems like it. Are you, when you were in LA, um, you kind of referenced it. Did you, uh, can you put yourself back in that psyche? Like, what were you thinking when you were just running around and party to party? And like, because genuinely, we touched on it a little bit. You could get in any. There was a moment of time where you were one of the coolest. That and that's kind of part of the formula that like a lot of people didn't necessarily get exposed to. Now I made a point. I was talking to John earlier on on our. You never know. There's guys who played in the league for 15 years, and are grown like had gone on had successful at the highest level of success in their in their sport, right? That weren't exposed to the access that you got like there was just a there was a pocket of time where it was like the notoriousness of of you and like just it, it was cool to like you it was cool to be around you now when you think back to how you were thinking then were you like man I want to be the top dog in LA like I, this is what I you know what I mean or were you even thinking like that were you no, when I when I look back at it then and look at it from a, a little bit different lens it's more of like uh 
it's all an ego thing. You know, it's all a, uh, it's all a try to climb the ladder and a social status type of thing. And, uh, you're just really trying to go on to the next and see what you haven't done yet or what you think you haven't experienced or what you feel like you're longing for in a coolness sense of life. I haven't hung around this person or that person or I haven't done then or yeah. this or this. It's what your mind's telling you. You've got to be cool to keep pushing to climb the ladder socially. When in the end, it's all just a facade, man. It's all just, uh, it's all fugazi. It's, uh, man, What the peop the reason people... You know, were attracted to me and people came around me is because they saw my soul. Mm -hmm. They saw my heart. They saw who I was deep down as a person. No matter if my uh, actions and what I was doing and my outer body were uh, replicating that or not, they knew deep down I was harmless and I and I, and I had a pure soul. It's I, facts. To be honest, it's facts. That's how that's how we felt. That's how we felt the whole time. And it was it was honestly my one of my favorite parts about about the whole thing is because like, bro, there was a point in time where. You were partying a lot, like to a point where I still and I and we were buddies and we had partied and hung out and done a bunch of shit. But there was a moment in time where like, man, I knew how good of a person you were. I always did. I loved you to death. Right. But I also knew I knew that you needed to find closure and like figure out what exactly you wanted to do, because oh, you would come I over. You would come over and we talk. You Say, hey, you know, I want to play football again. Like I, I'm going to I'm going to try again, you know. But then at the same time, when it came nighttime, another version of you would come out, you know what I mean? And it was one of those things where like, dude, I want, there'd be times I wanted to go over to your crib and fucking run it the fuck up. But I just didn't want to, you know what I mean? I didn't want to, I'd send my boys through and they'd go mob with you just, be, you know, because we all fucking love you. But I didn't want to be, it felt like there was a. There's a cloud, bro. There's no, no, but it felt like there, like, there was like two of you, like. You know, like you, you kind of reference like your soul and then like your outer actions. And there was like two of you, like you were, you weren't sure like which way it was Bro, supposed I to can go. I can pinpoint exactly why. I, I know exactly what it was. It's, uh, it's hard to live a life of lies. It's hard to live a life that uh, you aren't fully honest with and aren't in touch with completely. Um, when you lie and when you get into a sense where you're partying and you're, and you're lying, your actions seem shady, your actions seem dark, and your movements are just are weird about what you're doing in your daily life. The biggest thing that changed my life over the last year is just nothing but pure honesty. And I would have thought this to be the dorkiest, craziest thing five, ten years ago. Yeah. I, I was a kid who grew up, and uh, where, whatever it was with, like, my dad, uh, he was really, really strict on me. And for whatever reason, my go-to method and defense mechanism was to hide. Mm -hmm. It was to, to sneak and try and get away with as much as I can. I think for a lot of my life, I lived that way to where I wanted to sneak around and see how much I could get away with. And when I fully adapted honesty and went through multiple weeks, multiple months, and kept, kept it going, it, it's crazy when you adapt honesty into your life and you don't have to worry about a lie. You don't have to worry about telling somebody a falsehood or an untruth or whatever it is, when you really, truly, fully adapt honesty and the way you live your life is nothing but pure and honest, it's amazing what your soul and what you do mentally without even thinking of it will reflect out into what you do outwards in your physical state. I keep coming back to it, man. I keep coming back to a uh, finding a, a base and a really big foundation of honesty being my rock for the most part. Man, I don't... I don't really lie, bro. 
I don't really have a reason to. I don't have a reason to wrong anybody. I don't have a reason to be mad at anybody from the past. Like, I'm fully um, at the root of everything with where I'm at, and, and I don't feel any type of wrong about the past. I've completely let it go. I feel, I feel, a, uh, I feel a freeness from the honesty, like it's freed me from uh, the burdens I've had in the past. A after a point in time, I know what I am. Yo, I'm a shithead, bro. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you know, but I'm a shithead, a proud one, bro, and in a good way, bro, in a good way, of all ways, in a good way. I'm dead. <laughs> uh, I was saying like, no, yeah, no, I get it. I'm you're a shithead. legend, though. But like when, when you, you know, like when you fucking lie, you like I, you know, I lied. Everyone fucking lies, and I've lied even recently. When even if it's about something small, one, I guess the first step is like putting your awareness on it, and then. The real, the most common reaction is like, just losing respect for yourself. You know what I mean? Like that's the common reaction. Like slowly, if you're lying and you're being a shithead, even if no one's catching you outwardly, when you put awareness on it, you could you could not have awareness on it, and those people suck the most because they don't even know that they're being shitheads. Like they haven't turned. No, it's so over their they head. They haven't turned it's, the awareness. It's so, it's so over their head. Back they, on themselves. They don't even realize it. The first step's putting it back on yourself, and I I can imagine, and I'm sure you could touch on it, like. When you went through it mentally and you went through the the biggest thing is like shining that awareness and hating what you see about it you know what honesty, i mean hating the, the like honesty helps your self-awareness in my experience um when i didn't have to lie anymore i just called things what they were i felt this way i felt that way and i started you know saying what i felt and how i was and being honest about it and if like people yeah. didn't like the brashness or people didn't like the upfrontness about what my conversations were you just yeah. don't get me yeah. And, and that's cool, bro. I, so, I'm always nice to everybody, trying to have a conversation with everybody. But if you don't get my, uh, if you don't get my honesty, it's okay. Yeah. You're, you're afraid of the truth. Yeah. So when, so when you think back about the plan days, those were times where you weren't, you, you were one lying to yourself. You weren't being honest with other people. Like you, and were you ever like telling your dad, like, yo, I'm, I'm you know, when you were in, in the trenches, no, right? So and you were like, yo, I can't stop part. Like I'm partying and I'm, I don't care about, did you tell them? Like, it, it or were you lying? Like it was all a fantasy world, bro. It was all a it was all a mindset that I created of what this, you know, professional experience was supposed to be. That I built this facade up in my head, essentially, of what an NFL player was going to be, a pro quarterback, and the lifestyle, and what it was. That I disconnected from my family. I disconnected from the people who were in charge of my life and trying to help me be nothing but better and I could never see the same picture that they saw because my priorities were so wrong. So you genuinely weren't you, you genuinely no, weren't it was seeing it was it. it didn't matter and I tell people this all the time. If uh I was in the point in 2014 and 2015 when I was playing for the Browns and President Barack Obama, LeBron James, anybody Tom Brady no matter who it was on the face of the earth if they came up and said something to me I think it would have been a one year in one year out the other type of experience. Well, that's what it was. And it wouldn't have mattered. I had multiple people try and save me, but at the end of the day, they couldn't save me for myself because I had this mindset of what I thought it was supposed to be. So what you thought it was supposed to be was like, hey, this is fine. This is part of it. To yourself, is that how you rationalize it? I think or? it's more just like, uh, you know, you're in such a, a opportunistic position that you can get out of your shortcomings and what you're doing and what you're not doing enough to better yourself, I guess. Do you, you know, think I thought I could get by with doing bare minimum and still get the perks of being um You did. Of course. Without a doubt. 
Yeah, I want. I wondered, you know, getting to know you afterwards and like just you talking about it in hindsight. I wondered how much of it was like purposely like self sabotaging. Like I don't want to do this. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's 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 hilarious you say that. Um, my agent, um, I had an advisor at the time. They always told me you're deep down you're you're self sabotaging yourself because you don't want to be where you're at. And uh, towards the end of it, I remember buying into that mantra because it was so deep and I was so far down the line of, of fucking up that I thought I would grasp onto that and say, oh, it was self-sabotage. I didn't want to be in Cleveland. I self-sabotaged myself because deep down I really didn't want to be there when that's not even remotely the truth. Um, you get in, you get out what you put in. Mm -hmm. If you put in zero work, you're going to get zero results out. If you put in a ton of work, you're going to get the max out. I always say this about Stroman. So Look what at what he does, bro. Look at what the guy does. Look at what you can put into being an athlete, and you get out max results. And at my point in time, I wasn't willing to put in. I got exactly what I got out, what I put in. Now, when you were at A&M, do you feel like you were putting in way more? Without a doubt. The Ball Don't Lie Chug Bud, the new revolutionary way to chug a beer. Ooh, this thing fucks. You need one, she needs one, we all fucking need one. And they are officially on sale now at ChugBuds.com. If you miss out, don't you fucking fret, because a new batch is going to drop with every Ball Don't Lie episode. I got in trouble um, before my freshman year. I got into, I got arrested in probably the spring of my, uh, was going to be my redshirt freshman year. He's just a wild boy. Just a wild boy. Wild boy and, at the uh, court. Yeah, fake, you, fake ID, a couple... Um, Irish car bombs and Patron don't really mix. No, it's not. It's not really. It's not. It's not really the. Did you vibe. say Irish car bombs and what? Uh, Patron. Oof. Um, fake ID. I got arrested, and the next day, my parents came and picked me out. I sat down with Coach Someone. They made me run gassers every single day, um, even if we had two a days. I had to run before and after. I'm probably running. So you started out like that. I'm probably, and I'm fourth on the depth chart when we start this. Uh, when we start this fall football camp. Mm-hmm. And 11 days, I won the job, doing these sprints, doing the whole thing. At the end of that year, I rushed for 1,500 yards. I outrushed Todd Gurley in the SEC. Nuts. That was freshman Let, year? Yeah, my redshirt freshman year, the, one I, the year I won the Heisman. 1,500 yards led the SEC in rushing. I believe all of that was directly correlated to me running those sprints at the beginning of the year and being in the dumbest shape on the team. Really? Without a doubt. I'll tell everybody that. It's funny how that works out. Yeah, I got punished, and I won a Heisman for it. It's a life lesson in that. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, the the bad uh, the bad doesn't always turn out so bad down the line. That's the life lesson in general. There's really, it's the only time for growth. It's only bad if you think it's bad. It's only bad if your mindset gets to a place where you deem that being negative. If not, you can turn any negative into a positive. Do you feel it's like all mindset, bro? Do you feel like um, it's just crazy to sit with you and have these talks now because I remember a time when none of these words came out of your mouth. Like, it, it was, it was you weren't able to see it this way. Um, I think it was, it was probably, I don't know, probably a few years ago. Like, there was a different energy. Um, it, it wasn't, you were always a positive, fun-to-be-around guy, period. But, like, I knew, I knew you. You know what I mean? I knew, and I knew your mannerisms and shit. Do you think 
the way you feel now is only because you've been able to close the book on the just on that whole chapter like or do you feel like my biggest thing is like do you feel like you've gone through so many i feel like you've went through a bunch of different mental states being the heisman being at the top of the world right and then kind of kind of that fall that you went through and then it was like it was a flat line for a while you didn't you weren't sure like i your your mind frame and your psyche to me when i saw you i didn't really i didn't really know i didn't know how you were which direction you were going to go I knew you'd figure it out at some point. I wanted to, I wanted to help see you to this spot, but you got here on your own. Like you, it wasn't, you know, I remember doing the comeback season and then we put money in our pocket. We, we had a big win. You were, you were training again. You know what I mean? You were partying way less and, and going to go after it. And then you went to Canada and kind of realized you didn't want to go after it anymore. Right. That more or less what happened. I mean, essentially, bro, you're, you're only one sidestep and misstep away from going back to the trenches again. For sure. It is no, uh, you don't take for granted the good days that you have. And uh, you always know. And the thing that I'm most secure about and I know the most in my life is that if I fuck up, there's a uh, there's an instant step back to the bottom. Mm-hmm. It is no sure fire. It is no sure thing that you're going to get back to a point where you're mentally stable. So, um like we always say, it's it's keep going. It's it's never I never ever treat it as like I'm a here, I've arrived. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. always treat it as like it's a full long journey and try and hold on to that and keep as much of the happiness and the good days as you have. And my mindset has changed to that and turned to that. At this point, are you partying at all? Are you are you how focused are you? Like obviously you're you're excelling, right? So you go win the job, you have the Alabama game. What when was the Alabama game in the middle of the season? Not in November. The end of the season. November twenty fourth. So during that regular season, you're having a great year, obviously, right? How are you how are you managing it? What was the biggest difference? There was just a higher level of intent on your on your side or that's um that year is the reason that I got in so much trouble down the line. Because I treated it like a kegger. <laughs> I treat it like a kegger, to be honest. Every week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, we had a full-blown King's Cup beer Olympics type of thing at the house. We're drinking Natty Lights and Keystone Lights or whatever. Just Old Milwaukee's Best was on sale for $16.99. It was the best. <laughs> and uh, we threw Ragers every Tuesday and Thursday. There's a hilarious story. Cliff Kingsbury told this not too long ago. I saw it out in public. Um, it was Halloween. And I uh, went out, one of my boys had a Scooby-Doo costume, and I wore this thing out full-blown to the bars mm-hmm. all night. Took pictures with girls. There's this picture of me on the top <laughs> of the booth with this girl, like, dancing against me. And, uh, Northgate? You know, of course, Northgate to the max. <laughs> Northgate shout legend? Out, shout out to Hookah Station, Northgate legend. <laughs> You're a Northgate legend, though. Um, <laughs> and I may or may not have pulled the old, uh, my alarm clock didn't work the next day. Cliff Kingsbury being the OG that he is already knows already knows what it is. He's too hip to the game to not know that I'm fucking sending big it. dogging it, sending it around town the night before. And he uh, he had a guy who was our offensive like assistant at the time, Riley Dodge. Shout out him. God, without him, I never would have made it. Would come to my house and literally scoop me out of bed and throw me over his shoulder and throw me in the front of his truck and drive me to the facility, run out to walk through like nothing happened. These wow. walkthroughs, I would go full blast on. Literally, every handoff sprint, sprinting it out 50 yards. Real psycho type of thing yeah. to try and 
workout the night before and i remember this one day i'm sitting out and i'm running out outside the indoor and puking my ass off and coming back right before the first snap of offensive four plays it's it's just it's crazy <laughs> that i thought this mindset that i played better the harder i partied it, it, you get a sense of invincibility at this point in time where everybody's feeding your ego so much that you feel like you can't fall like Honestly, you can't lose I get it feels it. like it feels like you're so uh, Iron Man that you can't possibly fail, dude. I swear to God, and you start believing it. Yeah, no, but it, but well, like you, you, we know how much of sports is mental, and as you get older, as a, just a person, you if you're paying attention, you realize how almost everything you're interpreting is starting within you, like in your, in, with your, how you view yourself and how you view what you're looking at. Dude, I grew up in the day and age of Sports Center where it was uh, Scott Van Pelt and these guys with the old school Sports Center where they literally shaped my mindset growing up of what I thought of sports or what players I liked or the whole deal. It's amazing what sports can do to your mental, what you can do to your psyche, mm. and what it does to what you see in everyday life. It's nuts. Yeah, dude like bro so when you when you said you were raging and you're are you talking about you're going you're you're partying on uh tuesday thursdays and then playing on saturdays oh yeah yeah so friday walk through your friday was a recovery day we travel if we went on a road game so mm -hmm. i'd sleep on the plane get to the hotel sleep wake up the next day day before mississippi state was that was when this halloween stuff happened in the entire year, you ball out, so it's really just feeding that idea. No, it's feeding the idea of that you're bigger than, than failure. That's insane. Can't fail. Going to Alabama, doing fucked up shit during the week, and you ball and you win. I mean, you won the and Heisman. It changes your you, life. You party in the whole... You... People don't understand how quick of a transformation it was from this to this. It, uh, it happened overnight. You know, we used to, me and my boys... Played NCAA football growing up. Everybody did. Race to the Heisman, the Heisman race. You win the Heisman, you go play your freshman year. You win four Heismans in NCAA football, 12. <laughs> so every week we'd look at the ESPN shit and look and just see the name, my name on the Heisman shit. It was cool to even see the name. It wasn't cool to win it. It, 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 was, such a, it was such a dream. It was such a fantasy that became reality. That How can your ego not get inflated? How can you not think you're bigger than life? Crazy. And you have nobody around you that does anything other than feed the bullshit that's going on. Because they, they don't know any better either. Yeah. Nobody knows how to handle that level of fame. Texas A&M didn't. My family sure as hell didn't. Yeah. Nobody around you knows how to handle the world coming at you and attacking and warning you. Yeah, yeah. It was... Uh, I mean, it, bro, it takes... It takes an unbelievable, you, you mentioned it, I think, in the, in the You Never Know episode we did, but the mental fortitude. You got to be so mentally strong. And, and you know what? You know, a lot of people can do it. A lot of the, everyone in the league can do it. Those guys, uh, those guys figure out how to balance it. But it's fun to see the guys who, uh, who do it right and get through it unscathed and, and have such great moral value and such great, that's really the way they were raised and, and what it is. Like, I see guys, Teddy Bridgewater, man, that's a guy who I can just tell from the bottom of his soul has been raised the right way to overcome and battle every single bit of adversity. I respect the shit out of uh, Trevor Lawrence, man. To be a guy who's won a national championship as a freshman and go through the hype, everybody, you're going to be the first pick, you're going to be that. 
he stays his key. He believes in what he believes in. It's fun to watch. And it's fun to see guys who, who don't get lost in this shit. I mean, it's also, there's also just this, uh, I think there's a legitimate element of like their actual DNA makeup of who they are as people. You know, Agreed. like you could say so raised. Their parents. You could say how you're raised or whatever. Or you even. Got, you got to see that in your household, in your environment growing up. Yeah. I know a bunch of guys who come from different environments that make it out and do it, but at the end of the day, the people who make it through the real struggles, um, it's a true testament to their parents and how they were raised for the most part, unless you're just, you're, uh, you're really battle-tested, right. in my opinion. I remember when, I remember when we, uh, went, we had our first Northgate experience. <laughs> we went and played, uh, what the fuck was that name of that outdoor place? It was the legendary video of Blue where he's like fucking pouring the beer out. Yeah, like an outdoor, outdoor little shithole bar. Sounds like North K. Yeah, I don't know, but I literally, uh, I think you had a game. It was a Sunday. I think it was a Sunday. You had a oh, game. I went there. to Shotzi's. 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 Yeah. Blue got caught fucking in the back alley. <laughs> he did. Blue, blue, we're getting on the bus. The cops roll up with Blue. They're like, yeah. I mean, like, they weren't, they didn't, we didn't take, get a citation. Or take your guy back. Yeah, we didn't get in trouble, but he was, he was teetering on, he was teetering, he was walking the line. No, no, I heard this. He's a lesson for that. We went to, uh, but I, I remember hurt. that. I got hurt. I couldn't come out. You got show. hurt, but I, I heard a story. They were like, this, that dude was running down the middle of North, that main street, like, saying, like, after you, like, balled out the, I want to say the week before you balled out. It might have been. I don't know if it was Alabama or not, but they, they were like, yo, that dude, I, last time I saw Johnny, he was sprinting down. <laughs> he was sprinting down. I, it was like the main street in Northgate with a fucking, uh, I think you, had a, you were coming out of a bar. A bunch University. of people were following you. Like when, when you put yourself back there, uh, that version of you, <laughs> I mean, you weren't even really worried about being out in public. Like, just floating, bro. You, you were just. just you don't know any better. You're just. Uh... That was the most part of the like the legend though like you well, didn't the give legend a fuck. was I never uh, I, I never forgot what it was bro I hung with my dogs from high school I knew what it was to grow up in Kerrville and do what we like to do that uh do you think that was part of the problem I vibe with it it's it's not a problem if you uh no I mean do you think that if was... you manage it bro there's a there's a way to do both mm -hmm. and it's super super simple there's enough time in the year and the day in the whole grand scheme of things that that trumps the bullshit. You can go out and party and go and get after it and, and and continue to work and do what you want to do, but the second you become content, become lazy, it all it all uh, dissipates. At a &M, you feel like you did you, you were partying Man, but you did I the was work. A, I, at another time we talked about this on the last podcast being a disservice to your teammates and the people that were around. I think every day um if I would have done what I needed to do in between seasons not only would I want another Heisman I would have put my team in a position to win a national championship and uh more so than anything that happened in Cleveland I think that's the biggest regret that I have in my entire life is you know whether we were good enough or not to win a national championship my second year I think the work that I put in, in the offseason and the time that I put into my brothers and my teammates you know, I wasn't voted a team captain after winning the Heisman because I didn't show up to workouts and I didn't do what I needed to do and I wasn't accountable to the guys on my team. And it, it, it's something I'll Crazy. probably never get over. And uh, 
I've never really talked about it before. It's been one of those things I've kind of buried deep down inside. But at the end of the day, you know, I did coach someone. I did coach Spav, Mike Evans, Cedric, a bunch of dudes, a disservice by, uh, yeah. by my actions in college. And I got away with it because of who I was. You know, I didn't give a shit about my grades. I didn't give a shit about this. I, uh, yeah. I got side-locked and sidetracked on different goals, and they were very selfish goals. And it's, it's crazy how much selfishness comes back to bite you in the end because we went 9-4 that year and we lost the teams we shouldn't have. And, uh, yeah, it'll always irk me. For real. Not getting voted a captain. No, it's a big deal, bro. It's, uh, I, know that, I know that fucking bothers you because you're such a camaraderie guy. No, I, I even remember when it happened, almost being so arrogant and fucking egotistical, such a fucking asshole that I uh, I was like, why am I not a team captain? These guys are going up here. I'm so selfish and stuck in my shitty ways. Who's that? that? Uh, <laughs> Hello. Howdy. What's up? Should we go to Delilah? <laughs> Should we go to Delilah? I'm sure. <laughs> hey, Mrs. D. Hello. Are we talking in here? Yeah. Oh, wait, Hello. How are you? Hi, I'm Mike. MT. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Hi, Mr. Steve. Hi, puppy. Who's that? Who, who's that? <laughs> Don't shoot him. Oh, my God. Are you, guys, are you with guys? Are you with guys? Oh, yeah, those are bad. Yeah, they almost just got a shot. Yeah, they came in our Uber. No, they're chill. They're fine. Steve loves you. No, they're chill. They're fine. <laughs> no, they're chill. They're fine. <laughs> oh, oh, dogs, dogs. What's up? Steve, lo Steve loves his attention. <laughs> oh, come here, baby. All right, we cut it. Give us five more. What's up, man? Who are these people? Yeah, there's a. Uh, there's high noons in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> of course you can. I, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. We literally What's up, boys? Just showed up. It's okay. You guys no, can come on good. over. Hi. It's good. What up? John Kilmer here, producer of Ball Don't Lie. Uh, just a little explanation of what just happened there. Four fans actually broke into our house, completely uninvited, if you listen back, uh, it's <laughs> we were extremely confused because we thought we were like, did you invite him? Did you invite him? Turns out no one invited him. And if you can take anything away from this episode, don't break into people's houses. It's not chill. Thanks for watching Bald Online. We'll see you next time. <laughs>